Shared parenting does make it easy. I'm your host, Chris Batchelor, and this is the Parent Time Podcast. Parent Time Podcast is presented by National Parents Organization, a national nonprofit who is working hard to bring shared parenting nationwide. Hi, I'm Chris with National Parents Organization, and today I'm here with Linda Reitzel, and she's here to talk to us about Grandparents Day and why that's so important, and she's also going to tell us a little bit about uh, her involvement with the shared parenting uh, movement. So, Linda, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. So, Linda, tell us a little bit, uh, you know, what is Grandparents Day and, and, you know, why is it so important? Uh, Well, I think, uh, uh, you know, Parents have, have, have their days, and, and grandparents are very uh, special people in the lives of their uh, grandchildren. Uh, they give them a little sense of security and uh, connectedness to our past, and uh, grandparents are very important to children. Yeah, and I, I take it you're a grandparent yourself? I am. I have a, a 12-year-old granddaughter. And, uh, you know, so you have experience with this stuff and, and I've been around families quite a bit, but, uh, I mean, kids just love to have these, these sort of extra parents around and, and often, uh, I know, you know, it's kind of a joke that they'll, uh, they kind of spoil them a little bit more than mom and dad will, right? So it might get them some favor. Yes. I mean, that, that's the, that's the beauty of being a grandparent. Uh, my granddaughter knows that she has her papa wrapped around her little finger. And that's a good thing to know. That's a good thing for her to know. So um, we, we've got great relationships. And, and um, I got started in, in the shared parenting movement when my son went through a divorce. And his time with his child was severely limited. And there was no reason for it. They both lived in the same community. They both equally parented. And um, so that, that's why I got involved in it, because I think, both, I think all children need great relationships with especially both of their parents, but they also need to know their grandparents on both sides, their aunts and uncles and cousins. And when you limit one side of the family to only every other weekend, uh, you limit the time that they get to be with their cousins, their, their aunts and uncles and their grandparents, and they, don't, they lose that connected, connectedness to that family. And and that's a shame because, you know, our family courts should actually encourage, go uh, beyond encouraging both parents to stay actively involved in their children's lives. And with that brings grandparents and extended family also. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many benefits that grandparents bring to, to children. And, you know, when you limit one side of the family unnecessarily, like a lot of our family courts do, um, I don't think they really understand the the sort of downstream effect that this has. Do you? No, I don't. I don't think they do. Uh, the judge, when he gave my son every other weekend and one day through the week, he had no idea how close his grand his daughter was to myself and my and my husband. Uh, I've got a, a daughter that's her favorite aunt. I have a, uh, my mom, who's 98 years old, is still living, and she has a particularly great relationship with her. But the judge knew none of that, didn't even care about hearing all that, and he just automatically gave the mother the bulk of parenting time. And in this day and age, I find that just uh, really hard to believe that uh, a judge doesn't realize how much... Uh, child needs both sets of parents, both parents 
and both extended family, especially fathers. We know uh, all the statistics on fatherlessness uh, are just abysmal. And uh, for a judge to say, nope, I know you want equal time, but I'm going to tell you to spend less time with your child. That's ridiculous. It's just ludicrous. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's terrible, but tell me a little bit, how did, how did the relationship between you and your granddaughter change and, and with, with grandpa too? Um, and, and how did that, how did that affect both you and, and, and her? Well, uh, I happened to, uh, be my granddaughter's babysitter when she was born, she had open heart surgery. And so, uh, when, uh, when her mother had to go back to work, I, I offered my, my uh, house and I said I, I would babysit her because she was getting over the surgery. And, you know, I just kind of hated to see her go into a daycare setting. And so, you know, with me babysitting her from birth, they got divorced at four. We were very close, very tight. And uh, we still are and we still are. But um, after, um, you know, she you could tell that she didn't like it. At, at the beginning, um, whenever her mom would come get her, she would almost, she would start crying because she was used to being at, at you know, at her dad's house and having us around a lot. Um, I will say that after a, a couple of years, um, my son went, went to his ex-wife and said, you know, I need more time with my daughter and Avery needs more time with us. And I'm going to take you back to court. And there's no reason for us to spend that kind of money when you know she needs to see me and my and my side of the family just as much as she needs to see your your side of the family. And they did agree. So we are doing 50-50 right now, and it is it, it's working out perfectly. Uh, I am I feel so lucky that I get to see my granddaughter as much as I do. Well, bravo to, for him to you know to have the courage to to ask her directly, and that and and good for both of them for being able to agree. But that's that's true. I, yeah. I think this is a this is a great example, and and maybe a unique perspective that you can give because you've now seen sort of the standard, you know, I hate to use that word, the standard parenting plan that we see so often um, across the country, and then a fifty fifty shared parenting plan. Can you talk a little bit about the contrast between uh, those two situations? Well. Um with the, um, you know, she was four years old when uh, they got divorced. Um, and so, you know, that first year she was in a daycare setting, which was hard for her because she was used to being babies, being in my house for, for as a babysitter. And so that was, you know, pretty hard on all of us for the first year or so. And then whenever she goes to school, you know, my son wanted to be able to help her with her homework, uh, talk to her after school. Uh, put her to bed at night, you know, have those kind of moments with his daughter. And that's when, you know, he said, we're going to go back to court because I'm not, he didn't like it anyway. But, uh, you know, he, you hate to spend, you hate to make lawyers rich on your, uh, on, on the agony that a family court uh, puts people through. And, and uh, you know, that it's, people are, are, um, are, at the lowest they could possibly be when they're going through a divorce, they're fighting, they're angry. And the way that we're doing now just encourages more fights and more anger. And uh, I absolutely believe if we have a starting point of 50, 50, have a rebuttable presumption that that is going to cut down on, on the fights that is going to cut down on, on the cost of uh, the custody fight. 
and and both parents will be richer, will have more money to take care of their child, and will be better off. They'll they'll get over the anger quicker because they'll both be on an evil uh, on an equal setting. And and now with you know with lawyers dangling this little uh, fruit, well, if you get the bulk of parenting time, you're going to get cuss, you're going to get child support, you're going to get this, you're going to get that. That just feeds into the anger that they already have, and it's a shame. I, I totally agree. Can you, did you see any sort of a shift in your granddaughter when, you know, when she went from, you know, spending sort of minimal time with your, you know, you and, and, and your husband and, and spending time with her grandparents to, you know, spending more time with you as, as grandparents was, was there kind of a shift? Would she, um, you know, happier? Was she, her moods better? Did she have less mood swings, that sort of thing? Uh, well, yeah, she, she was happier. She was much happier and she's much happier now. And when you, when a, when a a child is uh, limited to how much, how much time they can spend with the parent, they don't realize that it's the court's fault. They don't realize that, oh, I, you know, my uh, son wanted to spend more time with her, but she didn't know, she doesn't know that she's in her mind. She's thinking, well, why doesn't daddy want to be with me very often? So it really, um, harms, I mean, affects their self-esteem, affects everything because nobody's going to tell them. I mean, her mom's not going to say, well, I won't let your dad have you 50-50. And her dad doesn't want to uh, say anything negative about her mom. So she's just there to make, to, you know, think about how, how, why no one's, why she's not getting equal time with her dad. uh, So she makes her own uh, thoughts there. Yeah, that's such a great point. And I mean, in a lot of cases, the court papers say you can't say anything to the kids, right? Because it's, it's, you know, understood that, you know, dragging the kids into this conflict is only going to be worse for them. But you're right, it does leave them open to interpretation. And we know little kids have great imaginations, right? And so they can, they can imagine yeah. all sorts of things. Um, that's most of it's probably pretty far from the truth. So um, that's right. And, that's right. And I've talked to other people who've grown up in situations where, you know, one parent wasn't very involved and then growing up to become an adult and then finding out the truth, right. And, and being really angry at, at the other parent because, you know, they just assumed something or, or the parent told them something in some cases, and they found out that it wasn't true what, what they had believed all along. So, uh, you know, the, the truth can set you free, but it's really harder when you're dealing with young kids because you have to be careful about, you know, the conflict that you bring them into. That's right, because you, I mean, uh, you don't want to hurt her relationship with her mother. You know, I want her to have a great relationship with her mom. I want her to have a great relationship with her dad and with both sets of grandparents. We're all there. We all love her to death. We all just, you know, it's family court just uh, encourages the fight and there's just no need for it. No need for it at all. Absolutely agree. So talking about family court, I want to shift gears just a little bit and talk about, you know, your experience in family court, because my guess is you might not have had much opportunity to, to, to be heard in court in this case. Um, a a lot of times I think the grandparents are sort of left out, um, and and they really don't get their day in court. And what, what's your experience around that? And and how does that make you feel? Uh, no, I did not get, I mean, I didn't speak up in court. Uh, and this was pretty quick. I mean, there wasn't any allegations of abuse. There wasn't any, uh, you know, as far as craziness on a divorce, this was on the lower end. 
there wasn't anything. But the judge had a bias. And even though my son wanted 50-50, he didn't get it. I mean, and right after he got the uh, the order that he, he was going to get every other weekend, he, he had his lawyer file a motion to set aside. And he got back in court and the judge uh, looked at him and said, I gave you week to week in the summer. And, and my son said, what about the other nine months? There's nine more months that I, I want to see my daughter. But he didn't change it. I mean, that is that is bias. That is just straight bias. There is nothing, uh, you know, when, when a father wants more time with his child, like I said, in this day and age, I cannot imagine a judge telling a father to spend less time with their children. Yeah, I mean, especially in, you know, we're in 2022 when we're recording this and there's a, such a huge push now for diversity inclusion um, in a lot of companies. And we see that in the media all the time. And, and we're, you know, as a society, we're moving towards being more and more equal. Uh, but it seems like that in family court, things are, are sort of lagging behind, um, you know, the rest of the country. Yeah, yeah. You know, and another thing on going on talking about grandparents, you know, grandparents parents have always been important, but even now, even more, because both parents usually work and they do need help, you know, picking the child up from school, you know, taking them to sporting events, this and that. So grandparents are really more involved in their grandparent grandchildren's lives now more than ever. And uh, I mean, they're just, they're very important to a child and they help out so much. I totally agree. And what, you know, uh, not having that voice in the family court, I mean, what was that like for you? Was it was it hard to, I mean, was it emotionally hard? I mean, did it make you angry? You know, what was that like? Well, I mean, it, it did make me angry when uh, the uh, order came down. And, and, and my uh, son was just, he couldn't believe it. He said, you know, I got the same amount of time with my daughter that somebody that wasn't even hanging, you know, didn't even have anything to do with their kids, you know, every other weekend. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, none of that was really taken into effect. So, or into account. So anyway, after, after it happened, I, I did my research and I found um, national parents organization who's been fighting this for years. And uh, I started going to my uh, capital in Jefferson city. And um, actually uh, we've had bills in Jefferson city for eight years. Now, it is unbelievable that a bill that only wants to start out at equality when it, when you're talking about parenting time for, for children, just equality between the parents, eight years and we can't get it passed. That, that's a strong lobby of uh, the Bar Association, lawyers, they don't want it. They're resistant to the change. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think any lawyer cares whether you have equal equal time with your kids or not. They just want to make sure you pay them first before you get it. Yeah. And, and we've seen that same theme across the country. Um, and, and, you know, eight years is a long time. And, and we know it that, uh, you know, it, <laughs> it takes a long time to get a, a bill passed, but, but certainly there are lots of laws that are passed in less than eight years. Um, and can you talk a little bit about the evolution of some of the things that you've tried in Missouri? Well, um, so, uh, actually, 
the rebuttable presumption of equal uh, parenting time. Uh, we have got it through our uh, House of Representatives three times, full, full House vote, overwhelming majority. We have gotten it on the Senate side through Senate committees, but that's where it goes to die. And uh, they never bring it up to the uh, Senate floor for a vote. Um, they use, we have one Senator that threatens to filibuster anytime that bill might come up. And usually it's toward the end of the session and they want to get so much other stuff down, uh, done before it ends that it, it, they just don't give it time to come up because, um, so, I mean, I, I blame the one Senator for always filibustering it, but I also blame our, uh, our majority, majority Republican uh, leadership. You know, if they, if they would make it a priority, they could get it through. Yeah, I think we've seen similar things uh, across the country and uh, certainly uh, sort of parallels what we've seen in Kansas, although we haven't uh, quite, ha quite had the movement that you've had there. Um, but, you know, we have seen things go into committee and then die. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and we also have a very strong, you know, legal lobby here, and which is always disheartening because, you know, whenever they uh, talk in the committees, it doesn't, you know, they always sound like they have the best interests of people in mind, but in reality, they just don't want to change anything because, you know, that would mean less money in their pocket. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, to be fair on our, and it's always been in the judiciary committee in the house and we've passed it out of there multiple times. Uh, the lawyers on that committee, uh, are, are, uh, are, are really looking out more so for the, for, um, uh, Missouri's children, as opposed to their pocketbook, mm -hmm. but it does get passed out. Of, so it gets passed out of that committee on the house side, but it, you know, it stalls in the Senate. Yeah. And, uh, I, I mean, it, it is, it is very frustrating, uh, to try and get these laws through and then you get in into where, you know, it just kind of comes to a grinding halt. So, um, what's, what's up on, on deck for Missouri for next year and tell us a little bit, does the, does the legislature go all year round or do they just, uh, are in session part of the year? Uh, just, uh, from January to May. So in January, now that they'll have pre-filing in December. And so we'll, we'll get that bill pre-filed in the house and in the Senate, and then we'll start the long process of getting it through committees again and getting it to the floor. Now, the senator that is always uh, filibustered has, uh, is, is no longer there because of uh, term limits. So I am a little hopeful that maybe we could get it done this year. Well, yeah, that would be great. And has, uh -huh. has there been any, um, you know, now we've had other states now pass shared parenting, um, fairly, really strong shared parenting. In fact, you know, West Virginia, Arkansas, um, you know, has, has that movement really influenced uh, people at all? Well, I mean, I, I've used it. I've made sure that everybody, all the representatives and senators uh, realize that, uh, you know, a lot of states are ahead of Missouri. I mean, do we really want to be this far behind? Uh, so I have used their success to try to push our success. But, um, you know, it's just, it's just different in Missouri because um, most of the uh, – Legislators that I that I talk with are in favor of it. Now we've passed the full house by a great majority. It's and it always passes through the Senate committees. It just leadership 
just stalls it and it doesn't get on. It's never had a full vote on the Senate floor. And if it did, it would pass because most of the senators would, would vote for it. So, so that's frustrating. Oh, yeah, it's definitely frustrating. Tell me a little bit um, specifically about being a grandparent and, and advocating for shared parenting. Um, because, you know, a lot of times uh, parents, uh, I talked to a lot of parents that want to spend time and, and go and advocate for these things at the state house, but, you know, they have full-time jobs. They can't, they can't spend that much time, you know, taking a, days at a time to go up and, and talk to people. Um, it, you know, what's the general consensus that you get from, from legislators when you talk with them um, coming from that pa- grandparent role? Uh, well, uh, most of them ha- have uh, experienced a divorce in their family. So most of them understand what I'm talking about, even from, you know, eight years ago. I, I mean, I, I had to do a little educating on, on the benefits of shared parenting and on the research against uh, uh, on fatherlessness. So, so we did do some educating on that part. But most, most people have gone through divorce, their family's gone through divorce, they've they got friends going through divorce, so they understand the, the issue. Um, I, um, I am still working, but I work from home, and I do have, uh, I, I, do have uh, I, I can go to Jeff City when I need to and then just, you know, do my work later on, or, you know, another day or something. So it really has worked out for me. Um, and I, I do realize that parents, you know, they're working, trying to make a living, trying to, uh, you know, be with their child and all this. So I, I, I uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to take up the, the slack and, and go up there and try to get this through. But there's, there's a lot of advocates in Missouri that uh, go to the Capitol, you know, once a week, uh, once a month to try to push this issue. Well, that's good. And it's really important to, you know, to sort of stress that, that, you know, to make these things happen, you do need boots on the ground, so to speak, you know, at the, the Capitol or, or talking to people in their home and their, you know, in their hometowns and, 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 you know, where, where the legislators are, right. Um, right. you know, because you have to be in constant contact with them. Otherwise all these other issues, you know, that are not related to shared parenting, uh, will, will take precedence. Cause that's, that's what people are talking about. So if you can get people talking about it, getting in front of legislators, I think that helps out a tremendous amount. And at the beginning of the first few years, we had, we had uh, several people testifying at our uh, hearings. But a- after a while, when it's the same, the same language, the same bill, we know we're going to get it through the committee. You know, you hate to really encourage anybody to take time off from work or whatever, because we know it's going to get through a committee because we've done it for eight years. So we're, we're past that needing, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people at the Capitol. What we need is, is just, uh, we need it to be voted on in the Senate. Yeah. You need, just need that final push to get it through. It sounds like. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, as a grandparent, um, I mean, do you, what, what do you think your unique perspectives are, uh, with this or what advice do you have for other grandparents that may have been in a similar situation like you were originally? Uh, well, I mean, they, they can always, um, you know, advocate for, uh, shared parenting. You know, you can write letters to your uh, congressman, to your Senator, you can, um, write articles and have them published in your local newspaper. You know, getting the word out is, is um, 
I don't want to say half the battle, but it's part of the battle mm-hmm. to educate uh, our um, the public about what's going on in family court. You know, before my son went through a divorce, you know, I'd see people divorce and, and I'd see that the dad, the dad just got every other weekend. And I, I, I was so uneducated about this. I thought, well, I guess that's just all he wants. You know, mm-hmm. I guess he just right. wants every other weekend. And people do think that, but, but it's not true. It's, it, you know, there's, there's fathers all over the place that are depressed because they can't see their child more, more than they do. And, uh, you know, they, some of the arguments on uh, not changing it, one of them is from the domestic violence lobby. And they say, well, you know, if you, if, if you allow men to uh, have 50-50, you know, more uh, children will be abused. Well, that, that is absolutely hogwash because if, if judges can give every other weekend to a man, obviously he's not a threat to his child. So that doesn't, that doesn't uh, register at all. Uh, another argument that I, I've heard is, well, uh, men just don't want to uh, pay child support. They want time with their kids so they don't pay child support. And, and I <laughs> look, men will spend tens of thousands of dollars to get more time with their children. Do you think they're doing that so that they don't have to pay $500 a month child support? Of course they're not. They will, they will spend everything they have to get an extra day with their child because they love their children just like their mother does and they want time with them. And another thing with uh, these, uh, you know, we're talking about red flag laws all over the country now and in uh, family court, the red flag law in family court is an allegation. So if someone throws out an allegation of abuse or, uh, you know, maybe you, you drank or whatever, the judge automatically puts, usually, and usually the allegation is against the man, automatically puts him on a supervised visitation where he has to start the long process of going through anger management or going through counseling or whatever, and he has to have supervised visitation. And it's just on an allegation. You're guilty, guilty without, uh, there's no due process is what I'm saying. There, uh, you know, normally you come into court innocent until proven guilty, but in family court, if somebody throws out an allegation, you're guilty until you prove yourself innocent. And, and that's, that is just, um, I mean, that's atrocious that that happens because it, it is expensive and time consuming and, uh, Sometimes you you can't ever come back from it. Well, yeah, and that's I think you know when you look at at males and they're involved in family court situations, the suicide rate is incredibly high compared to you know standard you know statistics, and so you know it puts men in an incredibly risky category. Um, and, and I think that men also experience that if they if they make the same. Um, allegations or, if, or, you know, even if they're not allegations and if they're true, that they're not believed in family court um, when they say things, you know, against the other party. And I think that's incredibly frustrating for a lot of people. That's right. To me, if an allegation is thrown out, it, it is put out in family court, it ought to, the divorce needs to stop, take it to criminal court, criminal court. It's if, because actually domestic violence is a crime and it, you know, you can't just throw those, those uh, allegations out 
willy nilly. And I mean, that that's, you have to have some kind of consequence for that. And most, most false allegations do not have consequences. You know, they might find out that it's false, but they, they never, uh, the, the false, the, the liar doesn't get any jail time or any, uh, lose any custody or anything like that. Yeah. And I, you know, I just want to point out that everything that you've been pointing out, you know, the false allegations, um, you know, the, the automatically guilty, uh, we hear that all over the country. That's not, you know, it's amazing how, you know, if you heard it was, you know, specific to one state, you can say, well, that state system is flawed, but here you have individual systems and they, they all work like that. And it's extremely high conflict. Um, and, it, and it's very damaging for all the parties involved. It, it is. And, you know, and just think of the children that they, they have to, uh, live through that too. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's ugly in family court. Uh, I think a rebuttable presumption of, of equal custody will uh, stop some of the fights because uh, that will bring both parties to the table and they will have to negotiate. And you, because they, they, you know, and the false allegations should have consequences uh, uh, that that should happen also. I, I 100% agree. I mean, I, I've seen that time and time again where, you know, a party can just throw an allegation out there, the court acts on it, it's proven false, and then the court does nothing against the That's person right. that, that threw the obviously false thing out there. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. It and is. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's so disheartening and, and leads people to not have faith in our justice system. And when when you can't have faith in the justice system, then, you know, what's left? I mean, that's part of the basis of a good society. Right. Uh, right. and so having an obviously flawed system is, uh, you know, is, is, is really disheartening. So, um, what, uh, and, and, lawyer, and lawyers know it's flawed. They know it's flawed. They know that, uh, they know they just are resistant to any change. Well, I, I think they like the fact that it's flawed, right? Because, because it's well, flawed, that gives them more freedom to do the crazy stuff that they do. Right. Yeah. Well, Linda, tell us um, where can people in Missouri get in touch with you if they want to uh, to advocate or to volunteer? Uh, I think you have a Facebook page out there. Uh, yes, it's uh, National Parents Organization Missouri. Um, yeah. So, and my email is uh, Linda Reitzel at sharedparenting.org. And uh, yeah, uh, any anyone wants to reach out to me and uh, help us in Missouri, uh, I'm glad to have the help. Well, Linda, we're sure glad that Missouri has you out there, and we wish you the best of luck in, in trying to get something through this year. Uh, maybe wow. this will be the year that, that finally you break free and we can have a big celebration and we can add you, uh, Missouri, to the list of the uh, states that are have past shared parenting. So we're going to keep our fingers crossed for that. And thank you for all of the hard work and all the things that you do out there in Missouri and, uh, and for giving people so much hope. Thank you, and thank, thank you for everything you do. Well, thanks, and we'll, uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you, Linda. Okay, thanks. Bye. Now, that was recorded on video, so if you want to go ahead and watch the video, you can find the link in the show notes. It's on YouTube. And if you have any questions, you can contact National Parents Organization at sharedparenting.org. Don't forget to like National Parents Organization on social media. 
Just go ahead and do a Facebook search for National Parents Organization and smash the like button. You're also going to find several Facebook pages for different state chapters, so go ahead and like those pages as well. And don't forget, you can also follow National Parents Organization on Twitter or LinkedIn. The links to those social media sites are on the sharedparenting.org website. If you're passionate about shared parenting, the best thing you can do is get involved. And the best way to do that is by contacting your state chapter. If you head over to the sharedparenting.org website, you can find the links to your state chapter and then contact them directly to take action and volunteer. We could also use your help with donations. National Parents Organization is a nationally recognized nonprofit registered in Massachusetts. To donate, visit sharedparenting.org and click the Take Action and then Donate. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. Tell us what you think on social media or by going to the sharedparenting.org website.